Hey, welcome to the Heart and Soul Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne Bernard. This is the place where we discuss authentic and inspiring leadership. It's the kind of stuff they don't teach you in business school. The Heart and Soul Leadership Podcast is dedicated to bringing you insight on how your leadership has a direct impact on people's lives. Let's do this. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Heart and Soul Leadership Podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about four decision-making pitfalls you don't want to get into as a leader. And I'm co-hosting again today with uh, Bassam Sabag. Hi, Bassam. Hello, Suzanne. How are you? Hi, everyone. I'm good. Thank you. So Bassam and I have our heads buzzing. We've been Bassam's been on the phone for three hours this morning. I've been writing and uh, but we're all worked up about this episode. It's full of concrete examples of uh, four things that as a team, as a leader of a team, you really want to avoid and you want to be able to understand how your team makes decisions. So what better way than to go about it from the point of view of pitfalls, right? So the first, let's jump right in. The first one is analysis paralysis. So it's easy for someone like me to sit around a leadership table and say they're stuck in analysis paralysis, right? Because sometimes, you know, how you identify that you're stuck in that is the fact that every time it's you're at the moment of deciding, somebody says, well, we're going to need more data. Okay, so you get more data the next time around. Hopefully, this is the moment to make the decision. Uh, the data shows this and this and that. We want to go into more data. Well, this is a never-ending spiral. Uh, it's the need to be more accurate. And Bassam, as you worked in a large engineering organization and you work with a lot of analytical people, can you bring us exam an example of analysis paralysis. Oh no, absolutely. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a classic one that we all, every organization suffers from and has potential of suffering from. But before getting into into specific examples, I, I just have a general kind of message here about, about pitfalls in decision-making uh, so that we don't repeat ourselves as we go through the four, uh, the, you know, the four that we want to discuss here or, or more if we, if we kind of get other ideas. Uh, But fundamentally, as a leader, to, to be able to, rec to, to, be able to, to, to do something about such pitfall and, and avoid it, you have to recognize that it exists. All right. So for all the pitfalls that we're going to discuss here, one of the skill sets that a leader has to have or a team has to have is to be able to recognize something before you can do something about it. All right. So as we go through these, I, through these I'd like to discuss some of the signs and how to, avoid, how to be able to Take a step back. How you have to take a step back and say, hey, this is a situation where we could be in one of those pitfalls. Therefore, I have the choice of behaving in a certain way that is probably different than I if I had not recognized it. Right. So it's important to keep that in mind. Yeah. And, and, and that so we can bring through our conversation some some, you know, ways to identify it, but also solutions to get out of it and so, maybe avoid it if you're not in it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it's also important to recognize that, you know, in some cases, these pitfalls are an advantage. In some cases, you want to do analysis. You want to you, you don't want the paralysis. But, you know, 
and as we go through other, yeah. other other pitfalls, so we gotta be careful. It's not a hundred percent one way or the other. Some cases, you it is not a pitfall if it's a certain context and it requires that kind of decision making mechanism. Okay, so just to, you know, nothing is 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 you know a hundred percent or zero in life. There's always a, a few exceptions. Agreed, okay. and I I love this this format because it enables us to actually go into those nuances. Exactly. And and sure. the written format, like when I write the blog, I have to be more, I, I find it more blunt, you know, so that mm-hmm. it's actually readable and it doesn't turn into a novel. But this, this podcast helps us to, you know, add more. examples, come into the concrete world and nuance the whole thing. So let's take it away on an example of yeah. uh, analysis paralysis. Yeah, so so I have I have multiple examples, but but they're all going to lead to the same thing in terms of you know uh, one one thing to do to to deal with it or to avoid it, right? And and the examples all relate to being clear on expectations up front. And I'm going to give you a very simple example that I lived. It's probably you know it's an it's an obvious one. It's 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 it's, a, it's meaningless by itself, but it'll give you the idea, right? Uh, I remember once very early in my career, I asked for an estimate on something, right? Okay, we need to reply to a customer uh, with a specific number, basically. I just need a number, right? But I wasn't clear in what I asked for, right? And it took forever to get the number. And I realized at the end that when I got the number, it was, and just to make the point, it was (laughs) (laughs) $22,372.32, right? And I love it. <laughs> all I wanted to know is it a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks, or a hundred thousand bucks? I just wanted it, you know. So, so analysis paralysis is really sometimes caused by are the expectations clear up front? So that kind of comes to the punchline, you know. What is the expectation? What is this decision? What is the level of decision that we need to make? And 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 let's recognize that we need to be clear with the people. And analysis. Paralysis is sometimes driven by by two do things by two things. There, there's multiple things, but there's two that come to mind. It could be a very complex decision. It could be a technical decision on whether a product works or doesn't, or whether a feature, an important feature, is safe or not. And and you can get into you need the analysis, but you you can get into analysis paralysis because now you're getting down to the nth degree where you can actually do by stopping at the seventh degree. Right, so that's a that's a place where how deep do you get into the analysis that is absolutely needed? The other one is related to human beings and and, and how their profile and how they operate. There are people that are analytical by nature. Mm. There are people that are skeptical by nature. There are people that need all the details before they actually can commit to anything. And so so you have to recognize what, which one are you dealing with. And if it's about people, you just have to recognize that and be clear on what your expectations are. Or use different people because everybody has a different approach. In certain cases, you may use a very analytical person uh, that that goes to the nth degree because it's needed. And in other cases, you say, "Hey, listen, I, you know, I don't need that. I just need somebody that can, you know, has a pretty pretty overall understanding of the situation that can give me their opinion." Yeah. Okay. So so, so let's uh, say yeah. you realize your team, you're the leader, right? Because our audience is we're talking to leaders. Yes. So you're the leader and you realize your team is stuck in, in this cycle. And maybe as a leader, you're part of it because you're the one who asked for more data at first. And then it, other people in the team 
have the same reflex and they ask for more data and now the team is not able to make the decision because yeah. the data will always bring the next question is my observation. And exactly. at some point, I mean, are you going to call 80-20 on an aircraft? I don't think so, no, you don't, right? You, know, you, can, yeah. you can't do that. Well, it depends on the level of decision, but you're right. You have to make, you know, you can't do the 80-20 rule on everything, right? No. Yeah, well, but that's but that's exactly so. So what can you do as a leader? And and, and what, one thing I can recommend is that is to break down the process of decision-making into smaller steps, right? If you recognize up front that you do need data to be able to make a decision, right? It's, it's, if it was clear, you would totally. make a decision. So you have, you need data. Yeah. The way I would approach it is, you know, have clarity on the team, split it up into 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 steps, okay, and be clear on what the next step is. So say we need to go out and get enough data to be able to identify this, this, and this, right? Not to the nth degree, but just to get an idea to give us to give us enough information to decide whether we go further or not, right? You don't know that up front. You don't know if you can take a, make a decision on 20% of the information. You may be able to make a decision on 20% of the information. But you won't know that until you see what that 20 is. right? So I would suggest that structure it in a way where there's regular, you know, I, I guess, iterative process where agree on what level should we dig into before we sit down again and look at whether we're ready to make a decision. And at that next level, then you can say, yes, we do need to go into more detail on this. We need to go into more detail on this, but not on these other four things. So the image that comes to my mind as you're speaking is the image of a funnel, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and I, maybe I, the funnel and uh, avoids going back to the top, you know, going back to right. square one and re-analyzing re everything, right? right. And, so, and to be able to create that funnel properly, you have to be clear on, you know, what is the requirement up front? Who's affected? What's at stake? What, you know, you don't want to put a funnel around something that's less important than what the decision. You know, I could have put a funnel on the guy that's that's estimated the job at so many dollars or so many cents, right? Mm. But I may may have wanted him to do it two iterations, but limit limited to a, you know, very uh, I guess. Uh, uh, very imprecise answer. Maybe we need to get a little bit accurate, but not very precise, and we could have done it in, in steps. So, but but even so, some people are unable to give you a rough order of magnitude, right? They just they just can't. Right. Like when does a finance person give you something that doesn't have two numbers after the the dot? You know. <laughs> well, but they, but that's they uh, have that's, they, they that's how they think. You know. Yeah, but that's that's what leadership and, and coaching is there for. I mean, you have yeah. to help people. Uh, people do things for a re for for a reason, and once you explain yeah. what you know that 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 is not needed or that's not the expectation, you know, people will pick it up. So, I mean, coaching is part of a leader's skill set. Yeah, and being able to help an employee through through things like that. So. But, but it's recognizing it, you know, when you have a certain, you know, when, when you're leading a, an organization and you have five employees or 30 or 100, you, you need to kind of know who's where and, you know, what's their strength, what's their weakness, where I can help them or where I can use somebody else for a certain analysis. Yeah. And, and you'll find, you'll find people that can, can help you. Now, it's tough in a small organization where you have one person doing, uh, doing, uh, doing a certain job. But that's where, you know, that's where it's critical in small organization in, in having the right people that can do 
multiple tasks at different levels, right? So it's, it's how you build the organization is part of it. Okay, so do we feel complete on this first one? I think so. Okay, uh, so yeah. moving on to the, the next one is uh, relying too much on past experience. Now, it's good, you have good experience. What we're saying is it's not, that relying on your experience is not wrong, is relying too much on experience where it becomes a, a habit to do it the same way you've always been doing it, right? Yeah, it's like the default. It's like the default way of doing it because it's always worked. Yeah, and then it gets overused. Okay, yeah. and but okay, so it works. You keep doing it the same way, but things change. So two things to explore together. The first one that can, the first element that can change is business changes, new competitor. You have a new you have new customer requirements, new product that you've never sold or supported before, uh, general market changes. And yeah. that's the moment where a team needs to ask if the way we were making decisions before is still an accurate way in the face of the new elements. And the second one, just to give uh, listeners an idea of where I'm, we're going, is when as a leader, you change organizations. You, you have a new job and you were hired somewhere else. That somewhere else has a different decision-making culture, just a different culture than your current one, right? So we're going to unpack both of these. Let's start with um, business changes. So, so it's all about context. What we're saying here is that what's worked before may have worked. It may still work, but it's important to step back and say, is the context that we are facing today or in this specific decision conducive or the same as the context that was back then or that historically has worked, right? And, and I want to specify here, this does not mean that because you do things too much based on past experiences that the decisions won't be good. It could be that your decisions will be very good. The opportunity you're missing is that your decisions could be much better. If you look, if you, if you, so, so it's not always, you know, bad good versus good. Yeah. It's not always bad versus, versus good. It's good versus better versus, you know, progressively more innovative and more, uh, more creative solutions and decisions. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, so again, it, you have to recognize, uh, that the, the it is, Context setting is always, always, always to me the number one thing that, that you have to put forward with a team before making decisions, before taking on projects, before what is the context so we can understand what's important and does what we usually do apply or not. Yeah, and right? that's very important. Context setting, use that word. If you explain things before you get into the action of where, whether it's the action of taking a decision or the action of whatever. So explaining things or having a good introduction to the subject that is high level, but what that does, it includes everyone in the dis discussion and then people's interventions will be much more pertinent and powerful. Exactly. Because they understand that this is the area we're discussing and other stuff doesn't apply. But when, when you're so uh, in a rush to, you know, get into the subject and you yeah. don't put the context, then you have people, they coming from left, right and center talking to you about all kinds of things and wasting time. Right. 
and it becomes a, more of a, a administrative clerical thing. I give you instructions as opposed to giving you context for you to yeah to kind of contribute to. So that's that's to me that applies to. And then if things. if as a leader you tell them, well, this is out of context, then people walk out and feel they were shut down by the leader in front of everyone else, and they have these hard feelings. So come on, you know, let's just discuss yeah. context and and go for the decision. And help people be in the conversation on subject by giving them the information. Exactly. The exactly. Second... So this first, one, so this first one is really as simple as recognizing that every what we've done so far is not a bad thing. But every decision you need to consider context. In, in you know what's different? Is there a new competitor? That's a good one. Yeah. You know, we say, well, how do we decide pricing with such an? I'm facing that right now in a in a, in a consulting mandate that I have. Uh, you know, where, where a company is used to giving certain prices and raise the prices on a certain customer for a certain customer because that customer's been there forever and they didn't have much option, right? There you and go. people don't recognize that that customer is is uh, that customer is looking at a, a new competitor just that came, that came into the picture that we can no longer we're no longer alone in that, right? Yeah. But, And they continue making decisions on pricing. Blind. I love it. That's, ex you know, so that's, that's a, exactly. That's a very it. simple example of, of context. Right? That people may not know that there's a new competitor. You know, and as a leader, if you do know, right, you don't just go say, "Hey, can you do a? Can you give me a new price for this customer? Just cut the price, please." Well, that, that doesn't give context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, why am I asking you this? You know, why are we taking that decision? And it just makes people rea realize that, hey, next time I better think about this. Yeah. The second one is um, is uh, is one that's going to call on a conversation of culture. So, as a leader, you've always taken strong decisions. You feel confident about your ability to make decisions. Uh, you know the results you want to achieve with your team or with the mandate that you're trying to deliver. And you know how to get there because you've got that experience, right? right? But the new thing for you in this particular situation or context is that you just were hired in a new place. So you don't work in the context where you grew all those skills and all this information. Exactly. And as a new leader, even though you're doing the job in your field of knowledge, you're still in a new culture and in that culture they don't make decisions exactly the same way as the previous one no two cultures are the same right right so of course your boss hired you to make things move faster or in a new direction and they recognize that you have this skill set and you, maybe you have the experience but you don't know the particular culture and it would be wise to take a little bit more time before you start making those strong decisions or those classical decisions, you know, reorgs and changing the members of the team and changing, exactly. you know, exactly. their roles and responsibilities so that you could take time to include the elements of culture in the decision-making process. So I'll just give you a very, very simple one to understand. Some organizations have a culture of decision-making that is called chain of command, right? So yes. if you've worked in the defense industry, chain of command applies usually in those uh, companies, meaning yeah. 
the top person has more clout or credibility or power over the one underneath and the others. And whatever right. the top I mean, the military, person says, the military, is, military is a perfect example. There you go. Right. Chain of command is from is military style. Uh, all kinds of nuances, of course, but it's vertical. And then the opposite of that is organizations that are, you know, horizontally organized. I call them democracies. You have another word for that. Can you feed it to me? Oh, it, it could be things like participative decision making. Or There you go. Or, but basically, it's everybody contributes and has to be part of the decision instead of being an autocratic, you know, top down decision. That's it's, it. it's, it's the other extreme. And yeah. then there's everything in between, of course. Yeah. So it's up for each of the listeners to kind of ask themselves, yeah, that's true. How do we do it in our place? And usually the way you find out is what drives you crazy, right? So what drives me crazy, because I worked in, an org uh, in, I worked in many organizations that, that were horizont horizontally organized in terms of participative decision making is it seems to me everybody gets to say their opinion, even if they're not there, when they will give an opinion, we'll still change the decision and we'll still not make it, right? Exactly. So other people, it will drive them crazy to be told what to do and they didn't get to say their their opinion, you yeah. know? A lot yeah. of millenniums are like that. They Millenniums yeah. need to be uh, giving their opinion and feel that their opinion was taken into consideration. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And again, we're talking here about relying on past experiences, which are are usually cultural, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and the question is, how would, uh, you know, if we look at the first, the second, the example you gave where a new leader, um, new leader takes a, 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 you know, walks into a new company and has to, what he's use, use what he has been successful with and, and the culture that he's grew up, in, you know, grown up in. You know, what can that individual do as they come into a new organization? And by the way, it, it doesn't have to be a CEO going into a new company. It could be a, a, any management level within the same company changing departments or changing. So let's, let's not make it, you know, okay. let's bring it down to what most of us experience day in, day out. Mm -hmm. uh, there are subcultures within the cultures. There are, you know, decision-making within a heavily technical engineering organization is probably very different than the decision-making in a marketing marketing type organization, right? Where there's a lot of touch and feel and context and, and uh, so on. So, you know, going from one to the other is, is just as much of a shock for a leader or at least a, a challenge for a leader as it is to change companies for a CEO or president, right? Yeah. And, and again, it comes down to that. It always comes, we're, we're trying, we're here to talk about leadership. We're talking about leadership skills. Yeah. Leadership skill set and how, and how do you, how do you improve them? And that's a classic situation where you, you you don't come in and make decisions without without trying to get a feel of what's important, what's low hanging fruit, what are certain you know what is it? There's two aspects. There, there's the current situation that the new department or company is living, and they need to make decisions within that. And there's also what I bring as a leader and what I want to do as a leader, which are, could be contradictory or not, right? So how can you, in a very short term, Try to get a feel for what are the decisions that need to be taken from their perspective, from the existing company's perspective, and how do I understand so that I can, so that we can take decision and still make, I mean, still, you know, not 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 make them feel the change that from one day to the other everything stopped and has to be a different way, 
right? Yeah. So it can choose how I do that. In parallel, if I know in advance that, hey, there's a, there's a leadership, uh, there's a void of rigor and discipline in decision-making, and I'm bringing in that as a new leader, then you gotta pick and choose the low-hanging fruit that you can decide up front and start setting the tone, yeah. right? So enough, you, know, you, you have to take the time to analyze and look at the nuances before you move. It's, it's, it's being able to step back as a leader and say, what's the best approach in this situation? There's no, there's no magic answer, right? Yeah, and, and the, the, the only thing I would, sorry, the only thing I would add is when a leader makes a decision, it's not only what I as a leader want to achieve, it's how are they going to accept this decision? How are they going to live with it? And what is the impact on others of exactly. my decision? It's not just about me, my performance exactly. and my needs. Exactly. And that's kind of part of what I meant by you have to look at the overall and say, what's, you know, what, what's at stake here, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, changing a culture takes time, but uh, there's very, very uh, quick things you can do, right? right. But you have, to, you have to be careful. Yeah, you can do certain things really fast, but other things take time and you just have to know the difference in where to push and where to pull. Right. Okay. There's something else that just pops to mind that maybe we should take uh, I don't know, 30 seconds or to talk about when yeah. we talk about uh, uh, past experiences. Uh, it's an aspect that we really haven't discussed, you and I, and that's cultural differences, uh, not within a company, but uh, dealing with internationally. Right. Mm -hmm. you, as a company, if you look at just basically North American cultures of how we make decisions and how the hierarchy works and how things are done, it may not be the same way that it's done in Japan or China or elsewhere in terms of how they make decisions, how they come. So when you're negotiating new contracts, when you're dealing with companies overseas or in, in different parts of the of the world, uh, you know, as leaders, we cannot we cannot assume that the, our past experience and the way we do things are conducive to doing business with with these different. I love it. I love it. I love it. It just gave me an idea for a next podcast episode because this that's, is that's such a deep subject you know yeah. so so let's let's put that on the in the parking lot as we say and maybe we yeah. can cover another podcast yeah. but that's critical today because even small companies are, are are you know are looking to expand their field of operation and go overseas in different different areas so that's important for for yeah. leadership good okay so the third one is groupthink okay so this is also a favorite of mine um a team a leadership team is perhaps vulnerable to groupthink if these three elements are present all three of them okay yeah so low diversity in the team second one is the team has been composed of the same people for years and has achieved some level of success and performance together right And the third one, a team that has a very strong-willed, charismatic leader supported by a few loyal lieutenants with lots of influence. Okay. That's a, that's a good one. So you get into this default position of, hey, we agree every day. Everything's, we, we're on the same page. Decisions are easy to make. Everybody's used to it. And if we're not used to it, you know, our leader, hey, we trust them, we believe in that's the way to do things. Yeah. And decisions are made so fast, yes. and so 
efficiently, quote unquote, that discussions don't have time to happen. Exactly. Okay. And yeah. it's, it's actually difficult to change this dynamic if none of the above, well, the three, it's not the three discussed elements are changed, right? Exactly. So if, exactly. You don't, if, if you don't change diversity, if you don't change the, the long-standing, long-tenure people around the, the table, and if you don't change the leader and the lieutenants, you don't change some of these elements, Right. And I'm not saying one person because a new person arrives in a team like that. And I'm sure it's happened to a lot of our listeners. If you're a new person arriving to a team like that, probably either you get your points get booted out or you don't even have the opportunity to make your point. Yeah, exactly. They move yeah. on to the next subject. Decision is made. The, 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 the topic is beat up we're not talking about this anymore it's done yeah. whoa yeah. <laughs> exactly and and uh uh you know again the answer may not be in changing people here it could be in coaching people it could be in and in, in, in giving training to people i mean people can change and people can learn right but the important again in the context of this podcast this is a pitfall that is probably you know you, you don't see what you don't see you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. uh, you gave the example of fish. The fish doesn't realize it's in water until you take the fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So, so again, being aware of that situation is critical mm -hmm. because it's one of those things that it's very. Sometimes it's difficult. We fall into it ourselves. So it's difficult to perceive. Right? Yeah, and and the other thing that creates groupthink is, you know, when you hire people to work for you as a leader. You have, we all have a human tendency to trust the people that are like us, whether yes. physically, culturally, or in their opinion, or in their um, professional denominations. Yeah, right? and, and it's because it's the easy way to do, it's less to, to go, it's less work, it's less stress, it's less... Yeah, we know we're going to agree, but in exactly. fact, as a leader, you need to hire the people who are complementary to you and to the team itself right so hire the missing piece not hire the piece that looks like you because if you hire always the same the people who are like you or it's yeah. always yeah. going to create this Thanks. this uh this situation right yeah and like everything it, it could be working like i said they've had success they could have had success and uh, successful performance together but 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 there's a but there's a blind spot here right first of all you're missing an opportunity to, to be better and to, to make better decisions but also there's a blind spot is that i mean you see what's going on around us in terms of diversity and in terms of you know just in the world today mm -hmm. I mean, you could be putting putting their, your company in in, uh, in a difficult position you know by by making certain decisions especially important decisions at a higher level where you're stuck in this groupthink mentality that you know decisions are easy to make and that. so the real question is what do you do about it and this is where this this is a tough one because to to, to you know to, to inclusiveness and diversity and changing people around the team and, and, and coaching leaders and changing leaders it doesn't happen overnight uh -huh. and when, and when you need to make decisions because the, the topic of this is the pitfalls of decision making uh, you may not have the time to, to change cultures before you make that decision so as a leader when you recognize groupthink, which is the important thing, what can you do 
to still make enlightened decisions or good decisions, right? And one suggestion I can make is very simple. Once you recognize it, then the first thing to do is where can I go to get a different opinion? You know, for this specific decision that we're about to make, you know, I recognize that we have this phenomena. I should not just, you know, count on the people around the table to make the decision. Who do I consult? Who do I bring in? How do I bring in a presentation from an expert in the field that can actually enlighten us? Uh, do I pull on other people in the organization that may have a different point of view? Do I bring in my customers that are in India or China or the United States or whatever to, to enlighten us on their whatever? It depends on, on, on how big this decision is. Yeah, and yeah, and if it's a small decision and that sounds too much like an overkill, right. then as a leader, always be listening to who's talking in the team and who is not talking, you know? Who takes the floor all the time to influence everyone in the same manner and who is the one that never gets to say whatever they're thinking and we never ask the person. Exactly. And I think if I remember in one of our previous podcasts, we talked about that and the importance in a meeting, when you have a meeting and you're discussing a subject, that before closing the meeting, that you have a quick go around the table and have everybody give their opinion on what was discussed. Or right? like you they were... They may still not talk. They it... may still not talk. They may still not contribute. But at least you're, you're, you're taking that step to ask for it. Yeah. And, some, and your, your point was, in that particular podcast, was... Ask people in the round table, are we complete? Exactly. Before we move on to the next subject, are we complete? It's a yes or no question. Even if we're 10 or 12 around the table, it doesn't take a lot of time. And if we are not complete, well, maybe we're going to spend an extra 5-10 minutes on this. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We ready to move on to the last one? Yes. So the last one is lack of clarity and alignment with the company values um, and then also with the company mission and vision, right? So yes. it starts like this. People in the team start complaining that this place is confusing because we keep changing our minds. You know? yes. We keep changing our decisions and all of a sudden we realize that our daily work is not aligned with mission, vision and values right and it can be even more insidious than that it can be that the company's in a rut and the only way out that the executive team sees is a complex borderline solution which sounds okay at first but then you're not sure you totally understand what's going on anymore and you're kind of passing on the conversation because it gets too complicated Um, some people look like they understand it and they're the ones influencing the decision making, but it's still left unclear, you know? Right. So why I'm using this one is, or what, what I'm really talking about is decisions that, you know, in business history, this has happened before. Um, and if you can just think about the U.S. banking collapse and financial crisis of 2008, that's the configuration of it right yes boardroom very smart executives high executives boardroom members f not all of them fully understood the implications and it wasn't you know left up to the experts and then from one small decision to another it became a spiral 
And then yeah, exactly. It becomes like a snowball effect where at the beginning yeah. it looks innocent and people think that it's, you know, and we were just working on something that is in, in normal. Yeah. Uh, and you develop it to a point where by the time you realize that maybe it's not so normal, it's probably too late. Yeah. Right. And then when it's too late, then you try to, I don't want to say cover it up, but you try to take actions to, to improve the situation. But when it's too late, the actions kind of start building up and it becomes out of control. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, that, so that's it. And then, and when you talk about, uh, we started by talking about before getting to that example uh, about company mission, vision, and values. And that's why it's important. You know, it, mission, vision, vision, and values is not just a few words on a piece of paper. They are important words, right? But to me, the most critical aspects of the mission, vision, and values is what they mean in concrete terms for your stakeholders, right? Because no matter how you look at it, nobody's in a vacuum, right? In a company. You know, you have stakeholders. You have the you have your investors. You have your your employees. You have your customers. You have your suppliers. You may have a, a, your uh, community as a stakeholder. You may have the environment as a stakeholder. You decide who your superior stakeholders are, right? And in the mission, vision, and values, you you have to kind of define how do we treat our customers? What's important for this stakeholder versus that stakeholder? Whether it's the community versus the investors, whether it's the community versus the employees. And, and to jump to, to really what my point is here is that decision-making, to me, the best way to avoid this pitfall of, of confusing people and so on is that for every step of the decision, again, ridiculous here, you know, it depends. Always have a, a in the process of decision-making, let's look at the impact on the stakeholders. Right, because sometimes something may make perfect sense on four of the five stakeholders, but that fifth one may actually break the tie and make you decide not to make that decision. Right, and sometimes we lose track of that and we focus our decision making based on what's obvious. Okay. So, uh, Basama, I turned off my camera. If you can do the same, because we don't have very good sound right now from the bandwidth. Thanks. Okay. All right. So. Can we say that uh, one of the things to help uh, realign around uh, mission, vision, and values is make sure that we give enough time for people to speak around, uh, speak up around uh, around the subject and ask their questions. I mean, we've we've said that before. Um, take time to look at the overall impact on the business, like you were saying about the impact on all the stakeholders. All the stakeholders. Inside and, and outside. I don't necessarily mean all the all the people around the table. I'm talking about the stakeholders for the for the company. You know, for major decisions or for decisions that have, you know that affect multiple aspects. I'm not talking about small decisions within a department. I agree. Yeah, it's like don't make a big deal out of every single decision. We're just trying to turn on the light here through this yeah. podcast and this discussion. Turn on the light on the different, you know, phenomenons of decision making there there are others of course uh, but these are i think these are the ones that are quite uh, easy to to see because they actually exist quite a lot um would you say we're complete for today's episode Basama? would you want to uh, add something you know i do want to add one more thing because we discussed it earlier within this last one this last uh, um pitfall of, of uh, company values you talked about confusing decisions one, one thing i think we need to talk about is uh, Often uh, we need to make a decision on, and it affects multiple people, multiple areas of the organization. And uh, 
it's decisions that are related maybe to the company values or the integrity of our values, integrity of our decision making. And we tend to end up making decisions to please everybody. And by doing so, we dilute and we minimize the, the impact of the decision and it becomes confusing to the people. So instead of saying, hey, here's a decision that if we make in alignment with our values, would would please 90% of the people and then we can deal with the 10% exception, we end up diluting it to make sure everybody's happy and then nobody's happy, <laughs> right? Yes, so the, those, careful, are, those are the ones I call a bad compromise. Exactly. Right? So those so are kind of important. You made the compromise, about. you took bits and pieces from everyone and you mishmashed it up and then it doesn't work, nobody's happy. <laughs> Exactly. So that I just thought we need time. to cover that before. Yeah. 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 Okay. So be careful with that one and, and, and kind of this is where you have to say, you know, what are our values? What's important here? Let's make a decision based on that so it's clear to everybody and there's no no doubt about how it fits in our values and culture. And then let's deal with the exceptions and bring them on board. Yeah. And again, like we were saying before in the a complex versus complicated podcast we just did together you know if it's gonna be a simple no smoking policy it should be fast and, and yeah. agreed and one pager type of thing don't and complicate it just just get the 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 policy out make the decision if it's exactly. gonna be something that touches the safety of the product or the safety of the workers building the product then we're going to take more time and be into the details and be much more thoughtful and data oriented in our decision. Right. So it's, it's all about, let's not make a big deal out of every single decision. Just look at it from the outside and then go back in and act, make the decision. Right. Exactly. Okay. So thank you, Bassam, for co-hosting again today. Uh, can you tell the listeners where we can reach you? Like, tell us about your website. Absolutely. So it's uh, my company's Tandem Business Advisors. The website is tandemba.com and I can be reached at, uh, at tandemba.com. Very good. Thank you, Bassam. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Susanna. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.